back on another edition of Kentucky Politics Weekly. I'm your host, Trey Watson, joined, as always, by Abby Piper and Jared Smith. How are you guys doing? I'm great, because Governor DeWine listened to me and called the feds. Hey! <laughs> I'm, I'm as well as I can be for a Friday in the middle of session. I also have tickets to see Cocaine Bear, Cocaine Bear tonight, so I'm very happy, very happy. It's getting, uh, my sister sent me a thing last night, it's like 100% rating on the Rotten Tomatoes right now. Cannot wait. So, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we're joined in the studio today by Ryan Underwood, Frankfurt uh, Jack of All Trades, <laughs> here to, uh, I'm sure, pedal a couple of bills. You, you won't notice because he's going to do it so smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm known for, Frankfurt, just being such an incredibly smooth operator. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, we're just going to just gonna fly through the news here, and uh, you guys want to start national or state? Uh, what did we start with last week? National, so let's start with state. All right, let's start with state. Uh, bill, bill filing deadline was Wednesday. Um, I think there's a tremendous amount of shell bills out there. Like It might be a record, honestly. It, it, it may be. I know Damon has one. Damon has like a shell bill, an act relating to literally every single issue you could possibly think of. So to get through the germaneness rules. Look, we got to get the uh, gender neutral language in there, right? It's really important. Everybody's really concerned with that all of a sudden. <laughs> I used to love that if you ever looked, go back and look at any bills that, uh, that Susan Westrom ever filed, every single bill would make a point of, of going through and, like, while she's changing whatever law she's changing, to, to like, add, like, him or her, like, add, add in gender-neutral references in just elsewhere in the body of whatever whatever part of the code she was changing. And they do, they do that regularly now, Trey. You know that? Yeah. Just because they care about us women. Yeah. Can you all vote yet? Don't tell my wife. I'm always very supportive of uh, acts related to the good of the Commonwealth, though. You know, those are going to be real important. What, I, one, year, one year wasn't the budget shell bill something... Ah. One year, I think it was a Larry Clark bill, and it was like a tax relating to like ferrets or something. That, 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 <laughs> oh that's what, that's what they switched out. I think, I think, and I think one year was a tax relating to monkeys or something. Like there, there's a string there where the budget shell bills, you know, that where they had they didn't actually have the budget by the filing deadline, or what they flipped into the budget was like acts relating to taxing random animals. <laughs> that sounds made up, Trey. Now, I'm pretty sure that happened one or two years. I, it was llamas or monkeys or ferrets or something like that. It was because it, was, it wasn't a regular animal. It was something weird. We don't have any section of statute regulating monkeys in this state. No. But we do have an administrative regulation for otters that get slides in their in their cages. It's in the regs. It's in the regs that otters have to have slides? Yep. All the other animals is just like the size of the container. I mean, I wanted to get an otter, but I don't know if I can spring for the slides. I just so. want to know who the big otters lobbyists are. That's a great, great get. Well, you know, I'm, I've been happy to represent big otter now for a number of years <laughs> on the hill. And, uh, working very important policy issues as it relates to those slides. Those slides. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm serious. That is true. It'd be funny if it ended up like the motorcycle helmet thing, where like it becomes legal and then it's not legal, and it becomes legal, and so there's like a fight between slides and no slides, <laughs> back and forth every year. Anyway, I don't know if anybody wants to tangle with Big Honor. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cr- crack you like an oyster shell, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, they just walk into the office looking all cute, get whatever they want. <laughs> Because I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But what happens if it's big sloth versus big otter? Then you got a choice to make. Ooh, tough. Um, tough. <laughs> but 
Uh, some of the bills. Should we be- just restart the show? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's no more no more germane to the conversation than any other podcast that we've done. That's true. That's true. Um, the, some of the bills that we've been waiting on to get filed got filed. Uh, there's two different gray machine bills. Steve Doan's got one that would regulate it and tax it, and uh, Killian uh, has one that would just get rid of gray machines. You know, I, I will, again, I go back to what I've said all along. I don't understand how these things are here in the first place. It, will, it, it is very uh, Santos-esque, which we'll get to later. That It's kind of like, oh, I mean, when we nobody told us that we couldn't do it, so we did it. <laughs> and, like, that's that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's legal just because it's not illegal. I, you know, so we'll see where that, you know, that's the number one lobbying bill for spending um, right now. It's, it's, it's a... It's it's stupid that it's this big of an issue, but I mean, how much revenue are these things generating? Does anyone actually know? I have not looked for a fiscal note on that or asked <laughs> about that because I stay out of gray machines. <laughs> Somebody asked me about gray machines. My response is generally, "This weather's crazy, man. It's uh, it's wild out there." Anyway, you want to talk about otters? <laughs> <laughs> I think what's fascinating is this is uh, you know heavily Republican dominated legislature. And this is the one issue that they can't agree on, you know, so you, you'll see, well, you'll see a big, big disagreement within the Republican caucus on this issue. Well, and I think that's really emblematic of where Republicans are right now, because, you know, we have some Republicans who are very staunchly, um, classically evangelical, um, conservative Christians, and they don't believe in lobbying at all. Or I mean, in, <laughs> no, they don't believe in that. Well, they don't believe in that. Uh, they don't, they don't believe in gambling at all. Um, and they don't really um, believe in, in access to alcohol. Um, and so those divides are becoming more and more prevalent. I think it's a big deal. Um, Except for a lot of those people are the ones supporting this because their local convenience store owners who support them back home have the grain machines in their stores. Exactly which is, which my point. Weird exactly my point. So it's, so it's a flip of um, a, a, a voting block series that, that traditionally would go one way, but it, it makes it very unpredictable. I also found out that a bunch of former Wildcat uh, athletes own gray machines. What? I won't name them, but it's some basketball players that have some weight. Is it Richie Farmer? It is not Richie Farmer. <laughs> What's Richie up no, to these he's, days? He's investing money in gray machines <laughs> right out of his pocket. Uh, <coughs> no, it's, you know, it's, you will get economically just on a micro level. You talk to some of these store owners that, you know, out in rural Kentucky and they're making 30, 40, $50,000 a month on gray machines where, you know, you're not going to make that money selling Marlboro lights and die. Yeah. That's some serious money. I didn't, that's real I didn't, money. I didn't realize it was that, that much. It is huge money that wow. they're generating. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Trey like, Watson against mama pop businesses. That's right. <laughs> but you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's kind of, this gets into a whole. There's a whole set of issues out there, like um, you know the, the Biden coming in and hiring all the IRS agents to crack down like the tax loopholes. Uh, they were administrative support help to get your returns faster. Thank you. Yeah, well, I'm, but I mean, I'm, I'm for you know. It's hard to say like, well, we need more taxes when the taxes we currently have aren't being enforced. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's it's like the line from National National. Uh, Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You know, when people when people count on that bonus as part of their income, well, when, when you've never enforced when you've never enforced the laws before, and they become you know the not paying not paying a tax I'm supposed to be paying becomes just part of the money I expect to have in my pocket. It it functionally is a tax increase. So you know if this is money that these people have kind of budgeted for, and they've got they've already got come in the door, and then you're gonna take it away. I, I, it's, <clears throat> bourbon barrel tax. Yeah, <clears throat> we'll get to that. One. Just stepping on every third rail today, aren't you? I mean, just all of them. Just. Voting rights for females. 
So this is this is see this is why y'all didn't get to vote until <laughs> gave the right to vote downhill. <laughs> but, you know, but it's, it's it's so like I understand the, the, the business owner side of it, but yeah. at the same time, these things are illegal. We don't have gambling, Kentucky. They're slot machines. Like I, I, I challenge anyone to show me the, the the skill to the game here. Like it's 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 a slot machine. I think their attorney was very clear in that committee room uh, last year that it is a game of skill. I did not get a chance to go to the RV last week and, and, and test them out, but I should have just to... For research purposes. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not playing the slots even under the scene. I'm a craps guy. I'm prepared to discuss XFL betting lines <laughs> at the end of the podcast. That is, that's that's a sign you have a problem right that's, I was like, that's a new level of degenerate gambling right there. Even it's I'm like old. betting on like U19 table tennis in Eastern Europe. I got a lot of money on this Dimitri kid. <laughs> I mean, I've caught myself betting Hong Kong at one in the morning, but I, I, I'm not betting the XFL. Uh, uh, sports gambling. Speaking of gambling, sports, sports gambling bill then introduced Michael Meredith's carrying it. Uh, interestingly, it cuts out online poker and it cuts out fantasy sports. The fantasy sports one I find interesting because, like Gray Machines, this is something that's this is a business that is not regulated, therefore it's kind of sort of legal, that's occurring in Kentucky. I've, I, I've got money riding pretty much every uh, Sunday on, on uh, Daily Fantasy Sports uh, during the football season. It's already here. The state's getting no revenue from it, um, but it's it's business that's occurring in the Commonwealth. And so I, I find it interesting that they cut that out of it. It does seem like it's much more heavily leaning towards uh, the track. Seems like the tracks had a bunch of input on it. Um, so you know, we'll see where this one goes. Yeah, I think maybe cutting out the online poker portion of it may help bring some of the more evangelically people on board. But I just want my DraftKings DraftKings app to work in Kentucky. That's all I ask. Yeah, all again, I, ask. I, I don't want to have to feel like a like a degenerate to drive across the river and sit in a Waffle House parking lot to make football bets. <laughs> I'm going to leave the gambling hotline on the table when we <laughs> leave it on his pillow at night. <laughs> in all seriousness, I think one of the biggest deals of session right now is that we do not have a Senate Bill 1 and the, and the bill filing deadline is passed. So we will not have a Senate Bill 1 this year. I don't know if I, I remember that ever happening. Ryan, do you? I, not that I recall. You know, usually they'll, they'll hold it back to the last day and it's going to be their big bill. But yeah, I've not seen. Is that their way of saying we don't give a fuck? I, would, I mean, there's a level of apathy there, I think, on the second floor. We have of, no priorities. Of, of lack of urgency. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've said, it, I've said it for a long time, and, I, and I've been around Frank for, you know, my, my share, um, and especially since the Republicans took the House, and I think they've done a lot of great things. They are running out of Republican things to do. Yeah. I mean, there are the priority issues. They came in the first week, and they knocked out everything that, you know, the wish list was granted, and then they we just kept, and now we're doing tax modernization. All these things are good if you're a Republican, but at some point, you know, we got to find a new battle cry of. of they found it, trans kids. <laughs> well, you know, Republicans, ideally, Republicans believe in smaller government, and you would hope that there'd be less bills getting filed. So maybe, maybe there being no Senate Bill One is a is a, is a signal. Do it's, you all know <laughs> that you believe in small government? Well, some of these people don't. I do. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, the, the party's changing, unfortunately. But. Trey would uh, advocate for removing bills if he were in the legislature. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm picking up a big Ron Swanson vibe off of you. Oh. That you would just get rid of all laws. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> not, not all laws, but... 
And I also hate skim milk because it's water that's pretending to be milk. (laughs) I totally agree with you. And when I was in grad school, um, all of the people in my cohort called me Ron Swanson. So I just want to say that's a point of pride for me, and you should be very proud of that. That's right. He hates people almost as much as you do. I know. Wow. And bananas. I think they're gross. They're fucking gross. (laughs) Wow. That's two F-bombs for Abby Piper today. Very passionate day. It's been a long week. I'm very passionate about my hatred of bananas. Yeah, a lot of hard fast opinions on produce <laughs> what is your the hard issues what is your opinion on the lrc menu tweets um the the artwork just do your opinion on lrc tweeting out the annex cafeteria okay, menu. so i learned this week that piper smith has been retweeting every single day the menu for the annex cafeteria no, I showed up my timeline and <laughs> jared has been doing this i had no idea and uh, my group chat finally said, oh, yeah, he posts that every day. And I literally turned it on today and he had already retweeted it. I, I'm sorry, everybody. We're going to try to we're going to try to fix the, the situation. Demand, no, Ryan, Ryan. But, yeah, no, we, we demand to know. We need to know. Thank and you. it's and, and, you know, he doesn't have to explain his his art to you as far as how he expresses himself. <laughs> I was just, I am disappointed to learn that Twitter made API changes in the LRC bot. Will no longer is no longer active. Oh. What? Yeah, the LRC bot Twitter feed because of the way that Twitter changed some of their API stuff. Now I don't know if it's something where they can go, whoever's running it can go back in and, and reprogram it. But but uh, the the way that Twitter changed the API, the LRC bot is no longer like automatically retweeting stuff. Okay, well, but you know you can get alerts on it whenever they tweet. Um, today it's no, no, but the LRC bot tweeted like, back when, the bots. When, when, like when when bills moved and when right, stuff right, was wild. Right. So, but that's yeah, that's bring back the bots. I will say today was Corn Dog Day. I'm sorry if you missed it. You oh. should be following our feed more closely at was Piper Smith K. Was it yesterday? That was yesterday. That was I think yesterday was Barbecue Corn Dog ribs. Day. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm obviously yeah. not following my, my own. My six year old will be crushed that he missed Corn Dog Day. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, bought, I, bought, I had to buy a box today. It was on my shopping list at Kroger. But... <laughs> Is that heavy squirts water out of her nose? So, <laughs> question A, we all love corn dogs. No, we don't. Would you eat wow. them? Would you eat them in public? hundred percent. Yeah, we, yeah. We, when, when you know, once a month or so, uh, Sonic does fifty cent corn dog day, and I used, <laughs> I used to take orders around RPK headquarters and go up and get like, <laughs> so like twenty bucks like corn dogs for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Folks at the Sonic and Prime were like. Oh God! Here comes that weird dude. It's like sixty corn dogs, like once a month. I wish Frank. It's fifty cent corn dog day. I wish Frank would bring back Taco John's. Oh yeah. I wish I, I am aggrieved that uh, the Pick Pack closed their deli counter. But. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Agree. But uh, all right, all right. Can, enough for Frank's any, food culture. Any, yeah. any, any other last minute bill filings anybody wants to highlight? Um, I don't. No, I mean, there, there's so many out there. I think a lot of us are still reviewing them. Um, but, you know, I think the general tenor is everybody, you know, it's the first year for a lot of our freshman house members. Everybody wants to file some stuff and uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what moves, you know. But um, it, it's you can't really ban people from filing bill a number of bills unless you put it in the rules. And I guess they could do that. But, um, you know, I, I think we know what the priorities are other than Senate Bill 1, which I think is a very strange um, anomaly that for us. That is weird. I, I didn't notice that. I will yeah. say, by the way, some, something that you just you, you just said, Abby, you know, and I think this is important to know because I've bitched on Twitter. I've bitched on the radio last week with Larry Glover about it, about these stories that pop up in the Herald and Courier Journal about bills that have zero a 0.0% chance of passing. And they'll, they'll, soapbox. They'll, get high, they'll get highlighted with huge... And I think I do think there's something that leadership can do to, 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 to tamp it down, which is to get a better grip, a grip on 
like they don't know every bill that's going to come up. They don't know when every bill is going to be done being written. But you, but you kind of know. And if you pace out and know, like we we have, uh, we know these twenty bills are going to make news, and we know that they're going to be a big deal. Yeah. And so they can pace it out because at the end of the day, these these media outlets they're paying to send someone to Frankfurt to report, mm-hmm. yeah. and they can't just like have no, you know, oh well, they didn't pass anything today. There wasn't, any, so like we can't. Yeah. You know, oh well, that was just a sunk cost. They're, they're gonna have, they're gonna produce something. So we end up with stories about bills that have a zero percent chance of passing. Like you said, you can't stop idiots from filing bills, but the press can like show some restraint and responsibility by not ginning people up and getting people fired up on things that have that, that will never become law. Well, you know, Abby, you're, you were a journalism student. If it bleeds, it leads, and they're trying to sell ad space. At the end of the day, that's. Yep. what the media is doing. I can't fault them for that. It does bother me the way that some of those stories are written. And I'm not trying to throw Olivia or Joe under the bus by any stretch of the imagination. But they get real fire and brimstone with some of the reporting on bills that if you were just an average Joe citizen and your only access to Frankfurt is Olivia Crowther, or Joe Sanka and you're in Louisville, then yeah, then this guy is absolutely falling. But for those of us that are there every day, like I get text messages and calls from my friends and family all the time. Like, what are they doing? I'm like, nothing. They're not doing yeah. anything. You can relax. Some, somebody's like, some playing play my old Kentucky home on spoons right now. Like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that was that, that was something. I went on a little rant, what, like a week ago about yeah. this. Because Olivia, you know, and, I, and I do, and I'll, I think Olivia Crowd is a great well, reporter, and, well, and I tweeted something about it, it about that. Uh, I said, like, I, I want to start a Twitter account just to just to track the uh, just to track the bills that aren't going to pass and the number of column inches mm-hmm. that are dedicated to it. So, but I don't have, I don't have 80 hours a week. And, well, and Olivia recruited replied to me. She said, "This is about my 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 drag brunch story." And, and, I, and I, I said, "No, I said there's plenty of it to go around, but I'm not going to say it's not about your drag brunch story." Well, you know, let's be honest too: is the bills that do matter and and do impact things aren't necessarily the sexiest pieces of legislation out there. I mean, you know, things like occupational, right. occupational tax and you know, change the way in which we do regs and find regs deficient are incredibly important. Yeah. To the Commonwealth they're and also, the citizens. They're also it's dense. A, they're, they're dense, and I say this as somebody who does this for a living, a lot of them are mind-numbingly boring. Yep. I mean... I almost fell asleep reading a bill about uh, drug... about nursing... See, he doesn't even know. He didn't yeah. even read it. It was so <laughs> into the weeds about how to set up a board to minister to let nurse practitioners prescribe drugs. We're going to talk uh, about that. Are we? We're gonna, I got well, that on my list. Don't ask him because he fell asleep. I did, I did not finish reading the bill. He, he didn't make it through the title. I will say, <laughs> I will say, um, honestly, when we talk about legislative process, one of the biggest things that we um, that we try to help our clients understand in the general public is that actually the administrative regulation process is just as powerful, yep. if not more powerful, than the actual uh, process of passing laws. And so, Ryan, your point is mm-hmm. really well taken. That yeah. you know, changes to the approvals of administrative regs that's actually a really, really big deal. Um, but but that's not going to make headlines, and you're exactly right about that. You know who knows that better than anybody? Who? Otters. Otters, yeah. Big otters all about, well, I mean, they've got a right. The one time I gave Jared the administrative regs to register to cover, <laughs> it had the otters in it. I swear <laughs> to God. In the group chat, was like, Abby made me read the regs, and like an hour later, <laughs> those regs related to otters? <laughs> but, you know, as far as regs go, I mean, when you're a governor and you're obviously on the opposite side of the legislative branch, you have to govern by regulation. Yep. This is Andy's only way to That's try right. and do things. Um, but but even, even when you're of the same party, like, you know, 
there are there are uh, even and even when you agree an issue like the uh, Adam Koenig's bill about about the shipment of wine mm-hmm. yep. a couple years ago, they had to go back and fix and, and pass another bill because the way that they crafted the regs mm-hmm. eliminated the, the where the smaller vineyards were using uh, kind of clearing houses to mm-hmm. the, the orders being placed with the vineyards, but they weren't physically shipping from the vineyard. Right. So the people who wrote the regs declared that to be mm-hmm. against against the rules. So they had to go back and rewrite the law to allow these these distribution centers. And that so, was under Bevan. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, so they just—it's they're not Republicans or Democrats, they're bureaucrats. And guess what? They're gonna—they're gonna write the law in a way that uh, that forces them to do the least amount of work possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, let's, let's be honest. Well, you know, the legislative branch creates policy, and then you're right—you know, the bureaucrats are there to execute it, but they. They certainly have a lot of thoughts on the way things go. <laughs> and I they can, don't like change. No, they certainly do not like change. They don't change. like change. I, uh, yeah, I changed a license for Bill last year that I'm still having to go back and fix because, <laughs> you know, they're making policy decisions at a certain cabinet right now that is not Shall anywhere not based be on named. the spirit of the legislation. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about the uh, poll this week on the uh, – if you want to feel Vamp for a second on the transgender poll that came out this week for the Fairness Campaign. Well, I pulled a poll up because I want to read the numbers and I want to read the, specifically the question. Yeah, so um, obviously there was some um, legislation passed this week in the Senate that having to do with um, notification of parents for transgen- transgender students. Um, and, and the poll that you're about to reference is important. And this one specifically deals with... This trans- is- 470, House Bill 470, yeah, tra- is currently written. Transgender care, um, as, as far as what doctors how, how, what, what doctors can and can't prescribe to, to in, in procedures they can and can't do to children who have uh, who are transgender. So uh, the question here, it's it's, uh, it's from the Fairness Campaign, run by Mason Dixon, 625 registered uh, Kentucky voters, and they were asked if they would uh, support or oppose a proposed Kentucky law that would allow the state to over- overrule parents' decisions to obtain certain health care for their transgender teenagers, including medications that can regulate the onset of puberty. Now, here, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm against anything that gets in between uh, doctors and patients. Yep. So, that's, I, I, so I've got an issue kind of from that direction. Uh, as we discussed the podcast the last couple of weeks, you know, I also have uh, real concerns about... Um, how transgender kids are treated just because, you know, you, you can get, I think there's too loose, there, sometimes you can get too loose with, with it and allow too much because at the end of the day, these, you know, what's what's the phase and what's, you know, what's somebody who's truly, tr- truly has gender uh, identity issues. But the que- the way this poll is, you know, it, it says there's, it's 71% of Kentuckians. However, the way the question's worded, hell yeah, it's gonna be seventy-one percent of Kentuckians. I could have written that question forty-five different ways, and I could have I could have given you seventy-one percent of Kentuckians against it. Yeah, like you know, you know the, the poll was clearly written to produce this answer. But so, there, there's a reason though, because this is the parents' rights legislative session, right? Yeah, and, and I, I, was, I want to apologize. I said Senate Bill Five. I meant House Bill Four Seventy. Yeah. Senate Bill Five is the uh, curriculum bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. Uh, now you threw me off. Where, I'm sorry. I doing? Well, well, you're talking oh, about how the these parents are parents' rights. rights. Parents' rights, yeah. and this bill would override the rights of a parent. Yes. If a parent knows that their teenager is has this the gender issues and says, yes, you can go ahead and, and start to begin your transition, this bill would not allow that. I mean, do I, do I think there needs to be a lot of oversight and a lot of guardrails put up? Absolutely. Should the state can further involve themselves in a relationship between a child, their parent, and their doctor? No. No. But again, I, you know, I, this, this, we talk on the show a lot about 
kind of process of things and, and especially kind of pulling back the curtain on the way some of this stuff works and, and, you know, in, in, inside the, the arena and, you know, 71%. Yeah. It's a big number in fairness campaigns running around with that. Again, I could have written this question any number of ways that I could, I could have gotten you a result on the same issue, the same basic thing. And I could have gotten you 71% against with That's very right. small linguistic changes to the question. So, and, you know, just a reminder to anybody listening, whenever you see these polls come out, remember who paid for it, remember who's pushing it, and remember that they ran it for a purpose. It was It's there to produce a result that they wanted to uh, back their cause, and the poll was written that way. Well, and so the polls, the wording is, to do you support allowing the, the state to override parents' yeah. decisions? And obviously the legislature said parents um, should have the right to control their, their children's decisions. And I think there's a lot of support for that, which goes to your point with the, that the poll may not have been um, as accurately worded as it probably should have been. But there's a layer to this that I think no one is talking about, which is when you talk about um, children under the care of parents, and we talk often, and it's referenced in, bo- in many of the bills, about um, you know sexual abuse or child abuse and neglect. Um, what we miss in that conversation is that sometimes abuse of an adult with a child has to do with emotional abuse, which is gaslighting, which is um, convincing them that they are something that they aren't. Um, and so that's certainly something that we have to really think about when we talk about, um, you know, are we allowing um, transitions for children? Are we allowing parents to be involved in this? Um, and there's there's certain areas of, you know, is there precedent for child abuse and neglect? Can we report that? I, I just think all of this is something we have to very carefully really look at. Um, but I don't know that the role of government is to be in the middle of all of this. You know, I think parents should be parents. And um, if they're not being parents, I don't know that that's something we can legislate. Interesting point out. This a bill very similar to this failed in Wyoming. And now Wyoming is a triple-led Republican state. They don't even let Democrats live there. Um, <laughs> and so I, it's... I'm, I've been told there's big changes coming to 470, so I'll, I'll wait and see. But as it's written now, it's, I don't think it's a terrible, terrible piece Again, of legislation. I don't, I don't think it's bad to have guardrails to stop people from to stop whether it's practitioners or parents from over overstepping a line and not not really fully thinking through the long term consequences of, of care decisions. But just flat preventing is you know that that's again you throw the parent part out even. Just you're talking about a doctor and a patient, and I, I got a problem with with the state telling practitioners how to practice. Yep. I was talking with one of my uh, Republican mm-hmm. House member friends about um, Senate Bill Five, and he's like, "I'm not out for banning books. I just want an alternative decision. If I, as a parent, decide that book's not appropriate for my child," and I was like. That's great. But I mean, that's a very reasonable position. I agree with that completely. And, you know, some of our clients are school di- are school districts that already have that in place. So the problem is it's not in place everywhere because apparently this was in Shelby County where the teacher doubled down and made them read the book after the parent complained. So I understand the need for that. But, you know, I don't that's, want somebody just on the Internet clicking titles of books and getting them well, taken out. And of also, that, that's a lot of the problems that you run into where, where bills like this, bills like Simple 5 become necessary. Where we've just gotten to this point in society where, like, if somebody says, hey, you know, I got an issue with this, they say, well, screw you, and, and, and double down on it. Like, yeah. if everybody would just kind of be cool and, like, you know, understand that everybody's got different beliefs and, you know, let's let's go along to get along here. Like, or if everybody, you know, kind of adopted similar rules across, across districts that wouldn't be necessary for the state to come in and do this sort of stuff, but... Because when I think of Frankfurt, I think of go along to get along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm talking more like, like like teachers and parents. Like, you know, what? Like, 
the teacher, if a parent's got a, got an issue with now, if a parents like, well, you know, you can't read, you know, uh, Darwin or something. Like, uh, okay, you're getting a little kooky now. But like, if there's just the I don't approve, I don't appreciate the language, or you know, there's a certain theme in this book, and you have a reasonable, you, you have a reasonable discussion with the teacher, and if the teacher basically says, no, screw you, your kids got to read anyways, they fail. Like, okay, the teacher's being obstinate. Like, yeah, right, <laughs> it's, right, it's, right. It's, at that point, it becomes a teacher issue. And so, you know, I don't understand why, and and the, the parents are equally as guilty as pushing the envelope. I just I agree, and, and we all everybody. have to understand that like they're differing ideas of what appropriate is, um, and what mature uh, mature appropriate is for each age group. Um, and I'm thinking your Darwin example actually. I can see where a parent would say that's not something that we believe in our household, and I would like that not to be taught to my student. Um, and I can understand that. I can see, um, like, thinking about when I was in high school, we read The Kite Runner. And there's a very graphic scene in there. And it, and it is a signature part of the book. Um, but if I wanted to opt my child out of that and say I would like another book that deals with similar issues but does not have that, I think that's a that's something that's reasonable. But um, it does put a burden on public schools to try to adapt um, to, to things like that. And I don't know how much bandwidth they really have. Well, I mean, we require... We, we mandate both federally and state so much of the schools that, like, what flexibility do teachers have anyways to start with? Like, you know, we, we, Very don't, little. we don't let teachers actually teach anymore. They're, they're all teaching to a test and or teaching to a certain, I won't say standard, but, you know, there, there's... there's well, they a, are teaching to standards. That's yeah. exactly but what I mean, they're teaching the, to. The, the, the thing they got to hit, and we don't, like, there's not even, there's not flexibility in the system to be like, oh, yeah, well, let's, you know, let's pivot over to this then. Like, the... Because the teachers are like, no, I gotta, I got I gotta teach to this thing. Like, well, education's become very bottom line thinking. It, it is, you know, there. To your point, there doesn't seem like there's a lot of flexibility for our teachers out there. They are teaching to a test. They're trying to hit that number. They know that's where their funding's going to come from. And they'll, you know, it takes the creativity out of it. But the interesting part of that is, and I don't mean to belabor this particular section of the podcast, but. Um, every time that we work with um, with schools and they work with the business community, the business community says, I don't actually care if they know this particular standard or that particular standard. I want them to have workplace skills. I want them to have soft skills. I want them to be able to communicate well and read well and write well. I want them to know math and science and be creative and innovative. And those are not things that are built into any really of the standards. And and even when, and I will give Kentucky credit over both administrations, both Bevan um, and Bashir, they have done really some hard work in the um, accountability realm to make sure that those things are accounted for. But um, they're certainly guardrails in the federal government. It's just a really complicated issue. I was talking last year, the year before last, with somebody involved with Fayette County school system on kind of the the, the lobbying end. And it's, you know, if you're if you're out there trying to recruit some school board candidates, find somebody with who's who's a business person. Because there's not enough people with with business experience who are who sit on school boards yeah. here or statewide. Just you know, it's 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 parents or it's people backed by teachers unions. There's no you know, there's not enough people saying, hey, you know, I, I'm out there trying to hire people, and this is what we're lacking sitting sitting in that room on that board making decisions. Sure, I mean, but it takes a lot of time, and you get paid like what fifty bucks a meeting. I think maybe we raise it to a hundred or something like that. But I mean, it's like it's nothing. It's unpaid basically. Plus, you have to like. Run for school board. Yeah. There's that. Uh, uh, all right. Let's uh, let's move on. We got uh, there's a bill that was that passed out of Senate committee today. I want to talk about uh, APR. A line APR ends to prescribe. So 
So they can already prescribe uh, a vast array of, of medications. Uh, the rules are they can't prescribe controlled substances, mm-hmm. and they can't pres- and, they ha- and they have to be affiliated with a physician. Now this they've right. been trying to pass this bill for years. Um, I, I have a lot of great nurse friends out, out there. Every time that I that I talk about this bill and, and my my objections to it, I end up getting uh, getting calls. Uh, very nice, nice, but but uh, condemning calls from at least one friend and very angry calls from a couple other friends. But I'm going to keep highlighting it. Is you know, physicians have to go through a lot. They go through a lot of training. They go. They they pay a lot of. They pay a lot for insurance. They pay a lot for MedMal. They have a lot of hours until they get that prescription pad. APRNs, while they have more than regular nurse, they don't have what a physician has. They also currently aren't required to carry the same level of medical malpractice insurance and other other financial obligations. So, you know, I think these nurses are in for a rude awakening once they get that pen and they're out for them and they're not affiliated with a doctor. Once that first lawsuit comes down, yeah, look out because I don't think they're they're thinking about the other end. They they've they've been doing what they've been doing with train wheels on because if they if they fall over. It ain't. It's not their ass in the line if, if something bad happens. It's the doctors. They're overseeing doctors' ass in the line. Now it's going to be them. And I don't know. I haven't looked. I don't know. If there's anything in the reg requiring them to carry the same varying degrees of, of you know financial uh, protections that the physicians are, are are mandated to carry. In a state where we have such an opioid crisis, I would think that. Um this is just an area that probably needs more study. I know, Ryan, you know a lot more about this than I do. Yeah. Um, I texted my wife about this bill this morning, and she said, well, if you think you got an opioid problem now. That's and that's exactly what I was going to say, is that, you know, you're, you're given certainly qualified medical practitioners, you know, the ability to do more. I understand it on both sides, but at the same time, you've got, you know, it's another option for, for drug-seeking behavior and people to go to. And I'm not saying that they're not trained on it as well, but, you know, physicians specifically go through very serious opioid training to, to look for those things. And they're very conservative now with how they prescribe opioids, opening up a whole new section of people that are going to start writing prescriptions left and right that may not have the same attitude or training or operate under the same regulations. And look, if you want to make it easier for nurse, for, for APRNs to get licenses to prescribe anything other than the controlled substances and you don't have to be you know there's no reason that an aprn can't prescribe uh you know a moscillin or you right, know right. something like that like there, there's no reason they should have to be somehow attached and pay a pay a portion of what money they bring in to, to to another physician to prescribe very basic medical drugs but you know when you talk about controlled substances, that's another that's a whole other ball of wax. Well, there one of the things that I have noticed that it's you know obviously the opioids come to mind immediately on something like this, but I feel like uh, you know nurses have an issue where they sh- you know would want to be able to write a prescription for uh, for you know Vyvanse or Adderall or whatever, and they can't do that. That's mm-hmm. another one. Well, you don't really necessarily have some of the same problems that you do with opioids. It kind of takes um, you know. A hurdle out of their way from that respect. So there's, yeah, there's two very compelling arguments to be made on this. Trey, if if you're done, this is a a nice segue into uh, Ryan's shameless plug of the week. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, take it away. So um, while we're while we're talking about opioids, I uh, I I have a client that is is working on this opioid issue uh, as far as a very cutting edge uh, opioid abatement treatment, and I'll and I'll talk about that. But um, a lot of people are. 
only mildly aware of where we are as a state with this opioid settlement right now. First off, we started with $476 million. We're up to $842 million um, as far as settlement money. Uh, but the way as far the how this is being appropriated um, is being done in, a, in an incredibly smart way, but also very difficult. Um, it's the right way to do it, but it doesn't make it any less hard. So we have got the Kentucky Opioid Abatement Advisory Commission um, that was put together by Attorney General Cameron. Um, it's got nine members on it. If you run down that list, you could not find nine better people in the Commonwealth to run this commission. They have uh, unbelievable personal and professional experience. I mean, you know, from Van Ingram uh, down, they are, you know, unbelievable and, and incredibly qualified. Uh, Dr. Freelander's on there. Um, and then you've got Brian Hubbard, who's running it out of the AG's office. And I've never met somebody so committed to an issue that he's working on as Brian Hubbard is. I really can't say enough good things about the OAC. The grant application process is tedious, though. I think there were some people that were like, oh, great, we'll just send them what we're going to do, and they'll get us money. And that's not how this this works, which is the right thing to do. So this isn't going to be like Cole Severance money back when we had Cole. There is, and, and I'll tell you, and I think- A lot Brian, of Little League uniforms. Yeah, Greg Stebo given to every, uh, every uh, uh, animal shelter in Floyd County. <laughs> that I mean, honestly, that, that has been the fear, and I think that's how Brian has approached this. Now, I don't want to speak for the AG's office, certainly, and I certainly don't want to put- Oh, that doesn't stop anybody here. Go ahead and speak to the AG's office. <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly don't want to put words in Brian Hubbard's mouth, but I think that there has been a very cognizant effort of, we're not going to do things with this money, like put up scoreboards or pay for economic development trips to the Bahamas so that our you know city councils or whatever can go. Um, I think the other part of this that people don't realize is that the AG is only in charge of half of this money. Oh, really? The, right. the right. other half is going to local governments. Um, however, the local governments do have to go back and get audited by the OAC. Um, it, is, it is going to be an interesting process, and I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here. I think that there has been some communication issues with letting the local governments know what they can spend this money on and what they can't spend this money on and what is related to opioid abatement. Like new police cars and radios are not opioid abatement. And the rule is that they have to be able to track. Like you purchased X, Y, and Z equipment. Now you've got to show us how you're using it specifically for this issue. Yeah, and so uh, some of you may not know, but I was the deputy executive director of the um, Council of Area Development Districts in a former life. And um, I've cobbled together a lot of projects and, and they are really difficult because you have a local need and it is second nature for an elected official um, to say, oh my gosh, thank God, because we have this need. We've been trying to figure out how we can fill. Um, but ultimately it, it is a question of how do you justify it? And it should be strict, right? It should be strict, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, over the years we've seen you know settlements and, and all kinds of things come through Kentucky and funds not necessarily being used in an appropriate way. I mean. We can sit here and talk for hours on the history of misappropriated funds. In, in Kentucky? I, you know, I know. It's shocking. Um, I mean, Richie used to back us up money for some shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> he also made... In the fridge. <laughs> didn't he also make a um, merit employee field dress a deer? Yes, that, that did is, happen. Yeah, that did okay. happen. That did happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's the ag commissioner. It's, you know... <laughs> Before we all get in trouble, uh, let's go move on to the next <laughs> <All right>. topic. <laughs> um, uh, 
Allegiant Air is going to start flying direct from Lexington to Vegas. I'd rather walk. Yeah, no kidding. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think the first person who said they'd rather walk across the country than fly Allegiant was Ryan Underwood, I'd actually. Never again. <laughs> Rubber floor, plastic seat. What if they sponsor the podcast? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, here's the thing though. It might, it might be a good, it might be good just for the return flight in case you lose all your money and got to like trade in your Delta ticket. <laughs> then, then you can, you can at least, you can at least, hopefully, hold on to enough to buy the Allegiant trip back. I love how you found the silver lining in <laughs> the, the horribleness that is Allegiant. I would rather ride in like a dog crate under the plane <laughs> on a Southwest flight in bad weather. <laughs> And fly almost on an empty Allegiant flight. I do, I do give it to them though. Their level of give a damn is so astronomically low when you get on that flight. It's like, look, we're going. I don't care. Do what you want. Get your credit card ready because if the mass drops down, it's five dollars. Was it Ryan Air in Ireland that tried to charge for, for the bathroom? Oh yeah, they felt yeah. like the a, a credit card swipe in the bathroom. They were kicking around with the idea of doing standing room yeah. in the back yeah. of the plane yeah. and doing like safety studies on like. We make people like stand up and hold no. this like it's a New York City subway. Like, well, that, have, but have you also followed the one the, the airline that was here for like what was it maybe six weeks, eight weeks? Avela, yeah, Avela. Because oh. we, we were looking, we're going to, to Florida in June, going to Disney World. And we were looking at maybe because it was like twenty five bucks to fly, fly to Orlando. Uh, so they canceled. They they were in operation for like three weeks and they were flying Fort Lauderdale, Orlando, and Tampa. They canceled all the Tampa flights and said they were, were going to. Reappropriate those planes to fly the Orlando route, and now they're pulling, just totally pulling out of, of bluegrass. So, uh, you know, Lexington losing brought, brought in a low cost provider, lose a low cost provider pretty fast. I mean, look, twenty five bucks. Like, I couldn't buy a tank of gas for that oh, and no. get a quarter of the way. So, I, I, I don't know, I, know that I, I want to yeah. even do but, that to myself. That's what I said. I was like, I don't know how they how you make. I, I don't know how you offer this rate. Like, you can't make money on it. A lot of duct tape, not a lot of rivets. <laughs> um, one more state story. There's not a ton going on in the governor's race, except for Kelly Kraft, after spending three weeks down, is back up on air, and uh, she's fighting China now. Uh, I don't know what the governor of Kentucky can do to fight China, but, you know, I, I'm just, I continue to be concerned that she's confused that she's running for Senate and not governor. That's been her knock from the beginning, though, right? Yeah. I, well, I've said all along that we have a bunch of people out there who want jobs that aren't available. So they're running for this. You know, Ron Coles wants to be president of the UK. Uh, Daniel Cameron wants to be U.S. Senator. Kelly Kraft wants to be U.S. Senator. Allison Ball wants to be uh, Congressman of the 5th District, but she's running for auditor. You know, you got all these people who, who want to run for other, who want other jobs, but they're not available to them. So they're running for governor or outskits auditor. And, and just like, what does China have to do with running for governor? You know, it, it it snags headlines. It's one of those things that when you look at polling issues, you know, look, look, look at the issues that poll well. Well, let's talk about China and borders. I don't like giving Joe Girth any more credit than I ever have to. But he did an article a couple of weeks ago that was the funniest thing in the world where he talked about, you know, people campaigning in Kentucky on the border issue. Are we building a wall across the Tennessee border? Are we worried we about being invaded in Clarksville? Um, you know, so... Kelly's taking some interesting choices, and I, and I got to tell you though, she is far away the best dressed candidate on the campaign trail. <laughs> well, if if, if Ryan and Daniel will get up, I will comment about their fashion because I'm going to comment about her fashion. I don't want to be accused of being sexist. So Ryan and Daniel get up, and I'll and I'll rate your outfits. Well, I can do that and not be accused of being sexist. This week, she um, there was a tweet posted. She had a sweatshirt. First of all, 
a gray sweatshirt with puffy sleeves, which Very is puffy. a fashion atrocity, just for the record. It, and, I know it's in. I know and, it's in now. And it had like a the Gucci label on the top. Oh, you stole Ron's thunder. Oh, oh right. You, you take this. I'm sorry. You go ahead. I, we're sitting in the, uh, the, the annex in the lobbyist room. For those of you in the know, you know exactly where it is. Um, and we're, you know, going through Twitter like we do, um, <laughs> being very productive. And I see, you know, we see this picture and I kind of zoom in on it. I'm like, that's, that's a Gucci sweatshirt that she's talking to rural Kentuckians in that she had screen printed What's with on the, the front shape of, it? of the state of Kentucky. <laughs> she took a thousand dollar sweatshirt. Might be more. P- probably more. I don't buy a lot of Gucci. Oh um, yeah. It's, it's around a thousand dollars. Okay. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Um, if yeah. I were WKU, I'd be upset because their um, their flag is right in the background. I think it's a, if they didn't have puffy sleeves, I think it's a it's a pretty cool sweater. But also, I will defend her. This whole and people in this room on this podcast have told her to stop acting like she's an everyday Kentuckian, and she's doing it. Now she's showing up in Gucci sweaters. I'm here for it. Well, and but you know, let's go let's go back to the to the nuts and bolts of the campaign. I, I still am mystified. It's one of the more confusing things I've seen in 20 plus years working on campaigns that she went off the air for three weeks. Like, I don't understand it. Again, we've, we've talked all on and on again that her one built-in advantage is money. And money doesn't isn't an advantage in itself. Money buys you time. And she it was a gift, a gift, nothing but she should make an in-kind donation claim to Daniel and Ryan for going off air for three weeks because it was a gift to them for her to be off air. I don't understand what the hell happened there. I, just, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. She's going to send the Kentucky National Guard to Taiwan. <laughs> Taiwan Bear. Taiwan um, Bear. The sequel. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's talk national. Uh... Uh, Jared, let's start with our, our we, we, missed, we missed a week last week, but we're back with another George Santos update. I felt like last week's was incomplete. There's something I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but we didn't talk about George Santos last week. We're here to rectify that. Yes, yeah, so George Santos is finally starting to give some interviews. And <laughs> he, he, went, he, went full, he did the full Costanza. He did. He went full Costanza that uh, he thought that it was okay to lie about his resume in 2022 because he did it in 2020 and nobody called him on it. So it's just like, you know, George Costanza, if you recall, he's like, well, when I started here, nobody said that was wrong. So Remember, Jerry, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> was, I, was, I not supposed, was I not supposed to lie about my resume? His, his logic is like, and, and this is one of my dad's favorite stories but it was like the first time I ever got a speeding ticket and my immediate fire out of the holster to my parents was I didn't see the cop there not that speeding was wrong or that I was breaking the law it's just that I've been doing it for so long now and finally somebody caught me I just figured I could alright Ryan real quick what is your favorite George Santos uh, story that he lied about oh uh, the the stolen puppies right oh. now has got a it's, it's up writing there. cold checks to the Amish for puppies by the way I did get I did get a text from a listener uh, just pointing out that no the Amish do accept and write a lot of checks oh okay so we you know, we, we asked questions about that in the podcast and that, right. that was clarified for me. Good. I learned something new today. I like it. <laughs> I will bring my checkbook to the next farmer's next, market. Next time, you buy, next time you go buy some furniture or uh, some bales of tobacco. Uh, I used to, uh, when I used to work for Phil somewhere, Phil, Phil Morrison and Ashley used to have to get all these, they had the growers meetings where they'd like go over new rules and stuff and then they'd give them their contracts and you'd be in these uh, like tobacco auction houses all over uh, uh, rural Kentucky and the parking lot's like truck, 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 truck. And then at the end of it, there's like four horse-drawn carriages lined up. It's all the, oh, all, wow. the Am- all the Amish who had ridden over to the meeting. 
Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so George Santos, uh, when asked asked what, like, why why he lied about his resume, he said, well, I mean, <coughs> nobody said, said it was wrong in 2020, so like, you know, I thought it was okay. Just, I, I just No gotta, shame. I, Can't I, shame him. I tell Jared all the time, and, and he said it on this podcast, that it would you'd get laughed out of a writer's room. This is going to make the greatest biopic of all time at some point. It's going to be like Forrest Gump, but like way darker. Like Forrest Gump, but like intentional. It's going to be like Requiem for a Dream Darkness? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. I mean, it's you, you couldn't even come up with this for Veep. Like, it's like, I mean, this is like Jonah Ryan level stupidity. Veep may be the only show you wouldn't get laughed out of the writer's room if you pitched George Santos. Oh, man. But everywhere else, you would. I, I told, mean, I tell, you, I tell people all the time, I'm like, if you really want to know what politics is like, but especially in Kentucky, don't watch House of Cards. Certainly don't watch The West Wing. If that's all a lie. If you want to know how this works, how watch dare Pete, you? Because that's exactly no, how it works. My, 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 my wife says the same thing about about uh, uh, medical school between uh, eat, between uh, Grey's Anatomy and Scrubs. She, no, Scrubs is way closer to the reality of, of what it's like. And I, and I always said the same thing about Veep, too. Yeah. You know, like, this is actually what politics is. is yeah. These, these idiots. Show her on. Great character. The new presidential poll is out, and... Uh, we're, we're all doomed. For morning consult, yeah. We're send all, the meteor, send the meteor, end it all. I am more growing more and more concerned by the day that this is actually going to end up being a, a Trump-Biden rematch unless the Democrats can somehow muster it together to push Biden out of the way. But new numbers, uh, January 2nd, this is from morning consult, January 2nd it was Trump at 45, DeSantis 34, Pence 8, Haley 3. February 19th, Trump up 5 more. Uh, and 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 uh, DeSantis down. So Trump fifty, DeSantis thirty, Pence six, Haley six. And obviously, you know, it's, these are snapshots. Is Haley really at six? I'm surprised by that. Well, she has got a bunch of press. The, the poll's taken on the 19th, right after she announced. So mm-hmm. you know, there, there's. And John, Ray, what do you John, think is considering what is contributing to that? I have no idea. I, I think. I think anytime that there's not, anytime there's not something directly negative on Trump in the press, it it helps them. People, you know, people have a short term memory and they they forget. Um, you know, I think the concern here, and we'll get to the next thing I want to talk about is, you know, this thing in Georgia is looking looking sketchy for him. Now, I do think he got a gift that the uh, the four person of the grand jury. Uh, gave, was able to give a couple interviews before clearly somebody got to her and put a leash on her and hauled her back in. Um, but, you know, I think this thing could get, in Georgia, could get dicey for Trump. Um, but I did not have the Fulton County DA as the person to bring down Trump. I always thought it would be, <laughs> always thought it'd be the Eastern District of New York, uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office. I mean... Same person that took down the gold club, taking down Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Ryan, what are your thoughts on well, Trump? Uh, you know. The gold club or Trump? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is the gold club the great strip club that has the best wings in all of Atlanta? Yeah. She took. Oh, all right. Well, this was, this was like. All the Braves players. Braves and yeah, yeah. Andrew right? Jones used to just yeah. hang out there. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah that was it. <laughs> wow. First off, as far as Nikki Haley coming up, I can tell you exactly how that happened. Don Lemon Don Lemon gave her a quarter million dollars for oh, free after That's right, that's right. That was that was like when Sue Foster and Sue Witten were running against each other and they filed the injunction. It's like, congratulations, you just gave Suzanne Witten 
$50,000. Yep. For free. It worked out great. So the same thing with Nikki Haley there. Um, yeah, I, I agree completely. As, as long as, you know, he's not, nobody's talking any more negative about him than they normally do. If he's not completely, if the story of the week isn't whatever Trump scandal it is, he does well. I mean, I don't understand it, but. He threw paper towels at people that needed supplies in Puerto Rico. They need a paper towel. They need a paper towel. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, he, he he bought he bought a bunch of quarter pounders for the dumpster fire. I saw that. And, and it, apparently, it plays well. You to want be, to know the secret? To be fair, he also bought a bunch of quarter pounders for the Clemson football team and the national title. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's and Clemson weird. hasn't been good since. Yeah, I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Indigestion, man. Yeah. Um, so there's also an article in the New York Times this week, and you know, I thought I thought I I think I talked about it in the podcast previously back well you know last year. I always thought that Trump was not going to run again because of this story that was in the New York Times, which is his super PAC has spent like 16% of all the money they've raised has been spent on his legal fees, over $10 million this year in legal fees. Well, now you have a bunch of campaign election finance experts coming out and saying that can't like he can't the super PAC can't spend on him now because they can't spend it because that's money directly going to him. And his legal defense, and he, he's now a declared candidate. Because he's filed, a candidate, filed yeah. With, filed with the FEC. So that means he's, he's either going to get sued by the federal government, or he's got to start coming up with this money for all these these still ongoing legal expenses, whether it's the Mar-a-Lago documents, thing in Fulton County, um, you know, if something pops, pops back up in the in the Eastern District, if anything comes to January 6th, that commission. Plus all, potentially repay the PAC. Yeah, all, all this money is going to have to come out of... His pop, well, he wouldn't have to repay what was spent before he became a candidate. But okay. every, everything okay. spent since he became a candidate, yeah, he, he you know, he, they're still paying for it out of, out of the back. So he, there is money that has to be reimbursed. Like, this is a problem for him. Like, this this is a lot of freaking money you're talking about that he's going to have to come up with individually or pay out of the campaign. So, you know, all the money, any money he's raising right now is probably going to end up not funding his campaign, but funding his legal defense. Well, we've all followed now candidate Trump as a serious politician, or at least, you know, somebody that was a viable political option for the last eight years, plus minus a little. I think we all know that pesky things like rules and regulations (laughs) will never get in this man's way (laughs) ever. Like, I don't think they're sitting there scratching their heads going, oh, you know, well, we can't spend money. They do whatever the hell they want and kind of maybe apologize later or just don't even acknowledge No, they do something more outrageous to make me forget about the current outrageous. I've also talked to people who were were in the Trump orbit, you know, as recently as a year or so ago, um, you know, well after he left the White House. And what I've been told is that as the the further he gets away from the White House, the more of those people peel off and go get other jobs Mm -hmm. and do other things. And all that's left are the most sycophantic of the sycophants. And so you have very, you know, what guardrails, what protections there were against his worst devices and bad ideas yeah. are slowly leaving. And it's, it's, he's left with nothing but the most aggressive of enablers. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you could definitely see him continue to spend, you know, spend super bank money on his legal defense. And I don't know what the hell you do if he's polling at 50% and you all of a sudden you've got to wait, you know, Slam out a major, major violation on him. Like, yeah. it's 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 not going to go well. I don't I don't know how this thing ends because man, you got some people out there that that own a lot of firearms are going to be very upset. Well, I will say he's proven to us over time that you know there 
the life expectancy on people that are close to him is very short um, in terms of, you know, not their you actual are, lives, but their allegiances. Unless you 100% Field, field dude. The, right, field, right. And, and he seems to have overcome that time after time. Yeah. My man crushes cheeseburgers and Adderall. I mean, like, how's, <laughs> how does he have good heart health? Yeah. I don't understand. The Adderall's keeping him going. He's, I the, mean, he's, <laughs> the, he's, the, he's the healthiest president ever. Just ask his doctor. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, can we talk real quick about Ukraine? Yeah, it's one year anniversary. Is it today? I think it's today. One year anniversary of, of the Ukraine invasion. Um, Still going on. Uh, you know, I thought I did think it was kind of remarkable that China yesterday, yesterday this morning, called for a ceasefire, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a that's something that they have not done before. Um, so that's kind of a remarkable move. Uh, you saw President Biden last week take kind of a covert trip to to Ukraine. Ten uh, hours in a, ten hours in a train through a country at at war with no U.S. troops on the ground that we know of in Ukraine. That's very. Unique for a president to yeah. do to do that, and they they even broke out the fake air raid sirens for him. I say what you want. I thought Biden's speech in Poland was great. I, I did, and but it, it harkened back to the Cold War. Like I mean, it was just the flags at night, the old Central European building backdrop. You know, I, I actually watched Rocky Four afterwards. So, uh, you know, when this invasion started, we all thought the Russians would be in Kiev within days, if not weeks, and we thought Zelensky was dead man walking, right? The Russians got, you know, the Ukrainians have fought hard. NATO has stood strong. NATO, I mean, that border of Poland to Ukraine is nothing but arms and tanks and trucks and machinery coming across to be used. Um, the Ukrainians are fiercely brave, fighting unbelievable fight against an enemy that, that they're outmatched, although they have just poor, well, they're, bad they're, equipment. They're not outmatched, they're outnumbered. Yeah, outnumbered, like, thank they're, you. They're, you know, that's, that's a much better way to say I, it. I think, I think that's... that's the, the most revealing thing this whole operation and, and if there's any massive failing of Putin that's going to have the most long-term ramifications it's that the entire world has seen the ineptitude and the erosion of the Russian military forces just that they, they don't have, they don't have modern equipment they don't have modern training they they have they have bo- I mean they have the same thing that they've always had they have bodies they have nothing they have nothing else going for them and, and, in, and in a world where War is increasingly becoming more of a precision and uh, engagement. That you know, Russia's 18th. I mean, they might as well be riding horses in. I mean, it's, it's, it's well, not going to play. You know, it'll if if it gets bigger than Ukraine, they they don't have a chance. The Russians have been fighting wars the same way for the last 150 years. You look at World War One, you look at World War Two, you look at you know how mm-hmm. they've gone through everything. They just throw bodies at it, and they don't care yeah they don't stop they empty yeah. the prisons yeah yep. you know in fact i was reading some detailed operation reports the wagner mercenaries who are the prisoners and they are get, they actually send them in first to deplete the ukrainian ammunition and then the actual seasoned russian troops come behind you know and so it's just Ugh. i mean that's a, and that's the policy so i mean that, and, so and, but but they you know they think they won world war ii there's an argument to be said that they played a massively significant role in it um but you know, like you said, that's how Russians do war. They just throw bodies until you're done, until you give up. Yeah. But the elephant in the room here is, um, as we just talked about presidential roles, is you know, if Trump becomes president, no. is there a rollback here? Do, is that oh, something absolutely. we really need to think about? I mean, right? I, honestly, it's you not know, really a vote about Trump. It's about it's a vote about our our involvement in UN you, and Russia. You have a lot of. I think that's going to be one of the most hotly debated issues in all the Republican debates, and it's going to be one of the one of the starkest lines because you know you see, uh, I, you know, I, I saw this idiot running for U.S. Senate in Ohio. 
He said, well, if... if J.D. If, Vance? No, he has, <laughs> that doesn't mean he, he He is senator. The, one of the candidates yeah, okay. for, for, for the other, for, against Trump Brown is... You know, he, he had a tweet that got a bunch of play on, on Twitter that was, well, if, if this was, if Eastern Ohio was in Ukraine, there would have been, there would have been billions of dollars spent already on, on people, helping people out the street. No, you, you're, you're a freaking idiot. But that's a, but that's a thing that people on the right are talking about. I, I, read, I don't... read some history books. Russia and the United States have been proxy warring since the end of World War II. And if you, and if you think the Cold War ending ended it, no, we, we have, we have a Russian KGB, we have a, a former Eastern, East German KGB agent running Russia. Like, it, it, we're, we're, if you don't understand that we're, that we are back in the Cold War, you're not paying attention. And if China starts delivering lethal aid to Russia, that that's a whole other well, can of worms that become today, I, I become ran, open. Iran has been delivering tanks yeah. and, and, and missiles to uh, to Russia. They might want to save those. Israel's still kind of mad at them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see that changing anytime. <laughs> anytime soon. Um, I just want to I just want to commend the Ukrainian people. You know what happens to people as they go to the grocery store and they get shelled by Russian shells. They die on the way home from the bakery. You know, the civilians, you know, I just uh, we cannot abandon Ukraine. We are depleting Russia. We are killing t- tons of Russians and we're doing it cheaply. And, and guess what? Keep Kiev comes with air raid sirens a couple times a night. Restaurants are full. Mm-hmm. People are going to concerts, yeah. going to sporting events. Kids are going to school. I, I will say this about Putin. And, and I've had to, I've tried to explain this to some friends of mine. And Jared, you're certainly a, a much better student of international diplomacy as I am. But uh, to Trey's point. Putin is ex-KGB. Oh, yeah. When you're KGB, you're always KGB. Yeah. To the, to forever. I told somebody, I said, he's not a communist, but he is a Soviet. And yeah. There's a distinction yeah. there. Yep. And he will always be a Soviet, and he will always have that Soviet mindset. Yep. yep. And I said, I think that's where the disconnect is of, of why people don't understand why he's doing the he, he He firmly blames the West for the fall of the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. and he is going to, and that's what he's going to spend the rest of his life doing is try to, de- to destroy the West. That he loves, you know, causing um, inner conflict. He loves, you know, at, at, everywhere across the globe in Germany, England. But they also, they spread a lot of Russian money around. A lot of Russian money. Well, and Americans need to know that destroying the West means destroying uh, freedom. It, it it includes destroying the free market. It, it, it you know, th- there are big implications for that um, that I don't think Americans are paying attention to. Yeah, it's easy to be caught up in the politics of the moment, especially in the Republican primary about supporting Ukraine. But we need we need we need a John McCain to be like, yes, we, we you know we support Ukraine. Well, I also I hate I hate I hate I've always hated these. Well, we're building bridges in Afghanistan and Iraq, but not. They're different pools of money, people. They're appropriate. <laughs> it's not the same money. It's not the same money. It's not. Stop saying it. Will you tell that to Margie Taylor Greene? Who, by the way, thinks red states and blue oh, states yeah, should separate. Yeah, Margie Taylor Greene last week came out and said that uh, that she thinks that red states and blue states should just go ahead and separate into two different countries and that if you move from a blue, from a blue state to a red state, you shouldn't be allowed to vote for five years. Now, I, here's, here's something I'm not sure she considered, Jared. Um, the Constitution. How did how, how did Georgia vote? <laughs> <laughs> so she wants to move to a blue state country. Is that what you say? I don't know. I just know California has the world's seventh largest economy. If you look at economic engines of the country, most of them are in blue states. Um, we've tried this once. Did not end well for a lot of people. <laughs> Uh, well, there's some people in it really well. That's true. That's true. Very good point. Thank you, Trent. Thank you. Good job. Um, We're not talking about women. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, I just, it, <coughs> this goes back to the 24 hour news cycle, the, the outrage, the, the sound bites. Shit's dangerous, man. You say shit like that and people start thinking that. You say shit like defunding Ukraine. I mean, and, and here's, we, we talked about the press earlier, giving, giving runtime to stupid bills. Oh, yeah. 20 years ago, no one would know who the hell this woman was. She'd never be in Congress. But the, the, both social media and then the need to fill time on 24 hour news yeah. has allowed these people to have platforms and, and allowed insane people to say unserious things and get like get treated like serious people and she's not she's not a serious person she's just not it's made it's made Americans interested in things that they consider policy issues that are not policy issues yeah. they really right. don't matter you're you know a lot of the time, the things that, that folks like that are saying, you're, you're, you know, it's it's to be cliche, but, you know, you're doing things like putting a hat on a hat and you're just talking nonsense words. And people, for whatever reason, eat it up. And now all of a sudden, the, you know, the policy issue du jour is we end up talking about, you know, trans kids and how money is appropriated. And people don't understand any of that. But, all, you know, everybody becomes a political science major real quick once they've watched <laughs> six hours of Fox or something. <laughs> All right, last, last uh, national political news we'll get to before we get to s- some wrap-up stuff. Uh, I am, I'm, I have, I'm having a vision. <laughs> I'm having, a, I, I had, I, I, I had some... Is I, your aura present I in the room? I some essential oils on and I, and I, I Burn I, the sage. I mounted my crystals and Marianne Williamson is back in the presidential primary. I'm yes, so excited. Yes, yes, I'm so excited. We, uh, you know, the, the, when we first, when I first started the podcast in 2020, we used to do uh, uh, morning after because Tom Stevens was, you know, just left the administration. He wasn't, he wasn't working, and Stephanie uh, Sides of Holster needed a reason to get out of the house away from her kids. So we had uh, we we did post debate podcast the morning the morning of after oh, debate. Uh, we, we can bring it back if you want. We will bring that back because I, I want to do. Well, I, 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 cook, I cook breakfast tacos, and, and we don't. We right. actually move, move the mics in the kitchen. And uh, so we, we all had, had great fun with Marianne Williamson's uh, New Age Voodoo in the uh, debate stage. So I'm very excited from Marianne Williamson, especially, I hope no one else gets in. So we can just, just have, Aaron Biden? We can just have plenty of time. <laughs> Marianne Williamson, Joe Biden debates. Biden think, be like, what is wrong with you? Yes, you got, you, got, you know, and I hope Joe Biden brings the onion version of Joe Biden with him. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Di- Di- Diamond Joe show, show, shows up in... in in like a the cut off cut off jeans shorts and a, <laughs> and, a and a jean vest driving the t top and playing with a switchblade. He's got Elvis's TCB necklace on. <laughs> Debating against Mary By the way, if you if you haven't if you haven't ever read it, just Google Marianne Williamson if you don't know what we're talking about. It's amazing. Available on the Amazon. Uh, what's the, what's the Amazon book app? Uh, for, uh, for Audible, Kindle, yeah, available on the Kindle app. You can get the digital version. The Onion released an entire book length autobiography of Joe Biden. Oh, oh, wow. oh I, I know am that. buying that. It's called. <laughs> it's called. It's. Uh, 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 Ryan, you forgot something. I'm trying to remember what the name. Of I did forget something. I. You. You seem thirsty. We will rectify that problem. I. I lost a bet. Fair and square. Um, oh, it's called the President of Vice is the name of it. The oh, President the, of the, Vice, the Joe Biden autobiography. Uh, the President of Vice. You know there is like fan fiction about Joe Biden and Obama, right? Do you remember that book? That What's that called? Me. No, you know. there's a fan fiction of uh, the, the art cover is Biden driving a Cadillac convertible and Obama is standing up with guns shooting out of both uh, both hands. Oh, I have seen that. <laughs> well, you know, there's also. 
erotica about dinosaurs and women, but that's a whole other story. Well, this, isn't, this isn't erotica. <laughs> this I, is I, just I a, think it's written by a Kentuckian, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I'd have to look it up. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to find that one. But, you know, I mean, you, you, you give Republicans a lot of grief about us having some crazy folks. You all have just as many on the flip side of, of the coin there. Um, Hope oh. never dies. <laughs> Hope never dies. Oh, there's a second one. Hope rides again. Yeah, that's the Obama, but I'm and the sure. Obama Biden mystery. Yeah. And, and the, the third one, the opening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the opening. I will hear no slander about my girlfriend AOC. Uh, the yeah, rest of them you can go after. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, uh, we got we got a couple other stories to get all to right, here. All right. um, <laughs> I want I want to I want to start with. And I, I had to look his name up, and I have no idea how you properly pronounce this. Uh, it looks like Gerangelo, J-U-R-R-A-N-G-E-L-O, Sijante, C-I-J-N-T-J-E. Uh, Tell me you're white without telling me a, you're white. Is a freshman pitcher from uh, from Pembroke Fine, Florida, from Mississippi State. If you haven't seen the video of this kid, he's a pitcher from Mississippi State. I'm just going to roll, roll past that. <laughs> but... Uh, um, he's a pitcher from Mississippi State. He's a freshman. He throws like 95 throwing as a right-hander. And then he switches sides and throws 91 as a lefty. Dear God. It is incredible. That is I, incredible. I, I mean, I want to go. I, I'm, I'm going to go see him. I hope he pitches at UK whenever, whenever Mississippi State Yeah, let's go. Because there's beer there now. There is beer. Yeah, as I covered last week, there's beer, beer at the baseball games now. So I, I want to go see this kid pitch. Like That's yeah. insane. Like, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I mean, there, they're two different motions. I mean. The wind up and all that. The I mean, I pitched in college and and I look like I look like a fool trying to throw lefty. Like <laughs> I, I just I, I, I can't. Well, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a totally different orientation. And then what's his name? Shotani on the Angels that pitches and hits. So yeah. I, which by the way, I was listening to the Tony Conrad's podcast and they were talking about his arbitration process. Uh, what are they gonna? Well, they, well, what they, are they gonna designate him well, as? Well they, they, well, they were able to to uh, prevent arbitration. He signed a thirty million dollar deal. However, if it had gone to arbitration, you know, the argument probably was that they were gonna say, well, here's 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 comparable stats for, you know, a pitcher at those one hundred sixty innings, two hundred fifty strikeouts, uh, two ERA, and here's comparable stats and salary for a batter who hits forty home runs, and <laughs> yeah. steals twenty bases, and. I mean, he could have he could have gotten damn near fifty million dollars because it, he he was probably worth about twenty five. Oh, so you're saying they're you they're going to yeah. combine him? I thought they were going to designate no. him whichever one would be the lower well, one, I, like they franchise tag in the I NFL. Think his, his agents were going to go in. With oh, I got you. Of, that he that he because these he, two players he's both, yeah. yeah. So you know he, he got our, but he's he's a free agent after this year. Put him so, in somewhere that cares about baseball. Sorry, Anaheim. Sorry. I mean, I, I wish they could just uh, him and Mike Trout like they should be winning everything. Yes. Oh yeah. But I just we know you come here for baseball hot takes. Um, I'm worried the Reds won't be available on TV. <laughs> oh yeah, so if you haven't heard, Bally Sports is going belly up. Uh, they've missed a couple payments to some MLB teams. I think they carry the games for 16 uh, major league regional baseball networks. Games. Yeah, yeah, re- regional networks. Now the good news is this could lead to Major League Baseball stepping in and completely obliterating the old. Uh, uh, blackout process that, that you have for for games, where you know if the Reds aren't sold out, you can't you, know, you can't get it on your. You know. um, it sounds like the preparations are being made that, that a lot of these games will be carried on MLB TV, which YouTube TV just dropped. Uh, you get it for free if you're a T-Mobile subscriber. So. Uh, Who has T-Mobile? I've had it since 2002. 
That explains so much. <laughs> that is the weirdest loyal flex I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Loyalty mobile customer. Dude, who is it? I have a con- I have get, a, get a fruit basket every year at Christmas. I, I have a con- my contract with them. Like I went in to, to get a new phone. They're like, oh, let's, let's see if we can save you some money with your contract. They pull First of all, like, that's a lie whenever they say that. They, 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 they looked at them like, oh, I would never, ever drop this contract because it's, it's like grandfathered in nice. and I've got all this crap that like nobody they're like you couldn't even go to another carrier and get it like you will never get this ever yeah. I, I get free international like I, it's, it's a ridiculous that's insane oh I've, yeah I've got the original like ATMT like unlimited plan when the iPhones yeah. first came out and like They'll call all the time. They're like, you know, we can update your plan and do this. I'm like, you could literally come wake me up in the morning and punch me in the face. There's nothing you could do to ever get me to change the service. I don't care how bad it is. (laughs) It's cheap, and I can run every piece of internet equipment in my house off a hotspot on my phone and you can wow. do nothing about yeah. it ever. Yeah, the, 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 people, yeah, the, 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 the people at the local team place were like, don't ever, don't ever change this. Like, you, you, will, you will never get this back. Like, um... <laughs> no, the funniest yeah. thing you said is sold out and reds in the same sentence. Yeah. Just FYI. But, you know, uh, the, the Bally's thing will be interesting to see. Cause, I love my reds, but they're just not good. But I mean, that's, that's a lot of freaking money. I know, it is. I know it the, is. The, car, the, uh, the GM of the Cardinals has already kind of expressed some level of concern that, like, you know, that check didn't show up. How the hell are they going to pay these players? And, they, by the way, that also they also carry a lot of NHL games. They carry a lot of NBA games. It's already leading to fears that the NBA may actually – there was a lot of belief that the NBA salary cap was going to skyrocket next year because of the new collective bargaining agreement. There's now belief that the NBA salary cap could actually retract. And you have a lot of teams the last two seasons who overspent on free agents expecting that cap to go up. Yeah. They're going to get caught in their balls in a vice if it comes out, no, the cap actually goes down because Bally's went belly up and they and that money's not there. Like and, that's going to be a, an issue. And just in case anybody doesn't know, about, Bally's is the old Fox yes. Sports Ohio, Fox Sports Arizona, Fox yeah. Sports Florida. Yeah, okay. They, yeah, Fox Sports when Disney bought it, they spun it off and sold it to Bally's. Yeah. Uh, the the same, casino. Yeah, that's casino and pinball. Uh, oh, right. So anyway, uh, that, that's that's of interest. Um, last story I want to get to, uh, which explains a lot of what's going on in the world right now, I think. Uh, this is comes comes to you from... Uh, from uh, Oh, hell, this is from last year, though. Shit. I didn't notice the dateline on it. What? The, the Japanese stone. What happened to the stone? Oh, you knew that. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't see the dateline on it. No, what, never mind. What happened to the stone? Uh, it, it, Maybe it's just a real lazy demon. Could. Yeah, it had contained a demon. It cracked open. So He's thought, getting around okay, to I will it. let you talk about this, but I thought the reason you sent it from a year ago is that you were implying well, it, that the demons had gotten out, and that's why we are where we are. Maybe it is. Yeah, it, it, it cracked stone a small town of Nashu cracked open, and apparently... Uh, it, Rumor, legend has it that it was host as holding the uh, the spirit of a of a wolf woman who uh, was trapped in there by a former. Uh, Ryan looked at me immediately. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have questions, and depending on your answers, there could be follow up questions, Abby. <laughs> no, no, we need to have, we need to have Stephanie Satcher come on to tell us if the river if the river rock that was fought over up in the Ohio if maybe that also contained an ancient spirit of some sort, and that's why Ohio and Kentucky were so. So uh, angry. Do you remember that that whole controversy? I do. Yeah. What? Maybe, what? Yeah, maybe there was an ancient spirit trapped in that thing. That's why everybody was so so angry about it. Well, Steffi Seicher did way too much writing about the fight between a rock in the middle of the river and who owned it. I really think all this probably boils down to cocaine bear. <laughs> it does. That's all I'm gonna say. I uh, did. I did enjoy the article from in the Herald Leader about the frustration for the Kentuckians for Kentucky guys that they licensed. You know, they licensed the cocaine bear property, and they're expecting like a cartoon to get made of it. 
But then the people they licensed the, they licensed the, the meteorites to then sold like the license that they had licensed to the company that's making the movie, and they, they had no involvement in oldest trick, in oldest trick in the book. Out. But <laughs> I like at the end of the article it says we have lots of plans for it, and they mentioned like they mentioned what sex toys. Uh, the <laughs> the Kentucky Theater is showing it, and they have cookies that are bears with white powder on their noses. Have, have you all seen the merch for this, though? The T-shirts and everything. Oh, that's, I, it's I, incredible, I, I, and I, bought, I want all of them. I, I bought my sister and sister-in-law. The last two Christmases, I've, I've, I've transported up uh, cocaine bear. If, if, if you're in Lexington, go to I'm really glad you added bear on the end yeah, of that yeah, sentence. Go, 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 go down to the Kentuckians for Kentucky uh, a store down on Loudon. Uh, they have all sorts of of, uh, of of cocaine bear merchandise. Fantastic. All I know, I know is this one. is not going to be allowed in schools per Senate Bill Five. So plan accordingly. <laughs> well, so my uh, my, my sister sister in law is a or my stepsister is a teacher, and I and so they had like casual day teaching or something, and she posted on Facebook that she had worn worn a hoodie. So I asked her, "Did you wear the cocaine bear hoodie I gave you?" She said, no, she did not wear that to school that day. Wise choice. <laughs> all right. Well, as always, well, Ryan, first of all, thank you for being on this. I was thrilled to be here. Big fan of the podcast. We appreciate that. And as always, if you're like Ryan, a big fan of the podcast, you can get us wherever you stream podcasts. If you get us on Apple Podcasts, give us a review, and we'll be with you next week on another Kentucky Politics Weekly.